Welcome everyone to the VBCOA podcast, a Building Code Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Christina Jackson. And today with me, I have Mr. Richard Gordon, who is out of VBCOA Region 6, right, Richard? Region 7. Region 7, sorry, Region 7. Um, and he's a building official, and he is going to talk to us a little bit today about solar panels and uh, how he came about uh, solar panel installations and what he was seeing out in the field with his inspectors and how he and another building official worked in getting an interpretation through the state. How you doing today, Richard? I'm doing well, Christina. How are you? I'm good. So before we get started into the interpretation and the solar panels, first tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been in the codes? How did you get into codes? And um, what you do for your jurisdiction? Sure. Well, I've been in code enforcement for about 18 years. Uh, I worked in the private sector on the design side for several years after college, and the opportunity presented itself to move over to code enforcement in Henrico early on. I uh, spent 13 years there in Henrico, uh, then had the opportunity to move over to Hanover as the chief building official here. Sorry. Oh, great, great. So, um, what I want to discuss with you today, Richard, is um, solar panels. What, what were you seeing out in the field um, as far as solar panel installation and what does the code currently say in regards to solar panel installation? So solar panels and, and solar energy in general is one of the quickest moving areas technology-wise uh, in the code right now. And typically with some of these items, because of the code adoption process, it's difficult to keep up with the technology. Um, you know, we're on a three-year code cycle, both at the national level and the state level, and oftentimes the technology will lag behind or be well ahead of what the code uh, can keep up with from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, so in this particular case, we had a solar installer that was using a particular cable type, TCER cable, that's tray cable, um, as the wiring method to uh, install the panels and we ran into an issue where that's not specifically permitted um, in the National Electrical Code or in the Virginia Residential Code. Uh, so that's that's what we were seeing in the field and that generated some questions for us and for several other jurisdictions in the state. And what were some of those questions that it was generating? So essentially as a as a wiring method most of us thought that TCER cable, if installed in accordance with its listing, was um, a safe wiring method for this type of installation, but it wasn't expressly permitted by the code. Um, the code was somewhat ambiguous on this matter, so um, in collaboration with Greg Rebels, who's the building official for Henrico County, as well as the solar installer who was actually installing the product, um, we sought out a code interpretation from the State Technical Review Board on it. And so, so run me through that process. Did you all sit down and look at what the code says, how he was installing it, and then deciding, okay, what did we need, what did you need from the state to be able to interpret for, for other building officials if they see this out in the field, what, 
what they need to look for, what's going to be approved, what is industry standards. Run us through that process. So this was uh, an extremely collaborative effort uh, between you know different building departments with the uh, contractor involved in that process and uh, the contractor had done a significant amount of of work ahead of time on the product uh, and reaching out to uh, subject matter experts throughout the, the code enforcement community on it as well. So we reviewed all the code provisions, we reviewed the listing requirements for the various types of wiring methods that were already approved for this installation and compared those to um, the listing for TCER cable in this application and came to the conclusion that that from a performance standpoint it, it met all of the criteria but was not expressly permitted by the code. So um, we collected all that information and in collaboration with the contractor uh, requested that interpretation from the board. And what kind of information did you present in front of the board? So like, um, I know we heard some testimony about the different uh, code sections, like the uh, National Fire Protection, um, what, they, what they've listed versus what the code has listed. So one of the critical pieces to um, that testimony for the board and the information that was pre presented was um, the justification for including TCER cable uh, as an allowed wiring method in single-family dwellings. When it was first expressly allowed, it was intended to be used um, for wiring of generators and wiring of mini-split HVAC systems. Those were the applications that it was being seen in, um, and the, uh, the information that the NFPA committee uh, entered in their justification when that change was made indicated that there was no reason why that product couldn't be used in that application. Now in that case it was explicitly for those two uh, types of equipment, but in this case the, the TCER cable would be used essentially in the same location in the house uh, and installed in the same manner. So the, the logic being that the equipment that it's connected to was not material to how it was installed in the structure. If it was installed in accordance with its listing in a location that was permitted, um, then it met the intent. So that was one of the reasons that, that we wanted to clarify that with the Technical Review Board. Uh, because there was a lot of confusion and, and disagreement across the state between various localities about whether or not it would be permitted in that location. And so what do you think this is going to do for different building officials working with their contractors um, who want to use this type of solar paneling in their jurisdiction? Well, the Technical Review Board's decision um, was that the product meets the intent of the code in this particular application. That's somewhat of a unique uh, result from the board. They, they don't typically take a stance like that on something like this, um, but it was critically important to being able to use this product across the state. It provides some clarity to building officials 
Uh, it provides clarity to contractors who are installing it. So uh, although they, they did agree that the text of the code does not expressly permit it, um, they, they made the statement that it was it met the intent of the code provision. And so how does this differ from any um, other contractor who comes to a local building official and say, you know, there's alternate methods of installation that allows for you to give that approval. You know, how does this either help? Does this help give more guidance to the building official? Does this help give more guidance to the installer? Absolutely. The um, Previously, if something wasn't expressly permitted uh, or there was some lack of clarity like this, it, it may have necessitated a code modification request through the code official. Um, you know, if it had not been approved uh, in a way that, you know, by a, a nationally recognized testing agency or through uh, ICC evaluation services or another accepted means, each individual building official was forced to consider the product and evaluate all the product information and consider whether uh, a modification would be acceptable for something like this. With an interpretation from the Technical Review Board, it allows the code official to uh, accept the product on its face based on that determination um, and save, save some evaluation time and, and save the contractor some effort with, with having to get individual approval from various localities throughout the state. And so maybe part of the problem was that some localities just wasn't, you know, accepting the information that some contractors are putting forth as far as a solar panel installation? That's exactly right. We had some localities that were accepting the product. Um, and I would say a lot of that has to do with listing and labeling of the product. So for instance, with this particular type of cable, um, the application, you know, for instance, it's, it's listed on the product as being appropriate for joist pull. It has JP written on the cable, meaning that you can pull it through structural members in that single-family dwelling. Uh, it's also labeled for uh, sun exposure. It's UV protected. So if I was a, an inspector in the field and I came upon this type of cable, I would have looked at the listing of the cable, I would have looked at the labeling of the cable, and the location it was being used was appropriate based on that. Um, so it created some confusion um, it, it was really an application-specific issue with using it for solar panels that created the problem. The cable itself um, was already tested and listed for the locations. It just was not specifically recognized um, by the code for use in this application. So, thank you, Richard. So that's very interesting. So what... What benefit has this uh, created for you and your inspectors and the relationship that they now have with this uh, solar panel installer? Well, it's certainly streamlined our review and inspection process on the product. Um, we know that we can approve uh, this wiring method for solar panels based on the TRB interpretation. And, and I think it sets a good precedent for um, collaboration with contractors and, and customers in general among the code official community. Uh, it is a collaborative effort. You know, building safety is a collaborative effort between 
you know, the contractor, the designer, and, and the code official. And those open lines of communication need to exist for us to move forward, particularly with the fast pace of, of technology change on the energy side, um, you know, residential solar and, and other products. So we're going to have to address issues like this moving forward on a regular basis. So we need to have that productive working relationship with the contracting community to be able to do so. Right, because this is something that is uh, picking up steam and not slowing down. Um, I'm pretty sure you're seeing it all throughout your jurisdiction as far as, um, and then plus with uh, the current um, climate in the world where we want to be more energy efficient in all of our products that everything that we use this is one alternative that's being pushed on a lot of individuals and a lot of people who are building homes or in uh, current homes to try to save energy so you know this is just something that's just picking up speed would you say that is the case definitely whether it's alternative energy or energy storage systems um EV charging, all sorts of things that, you know, five to ten years ago that we didn't see on a regular basis. I mean, as recent as five years ago, uh, solar installation was really the exception rather than the rule. Uh, But we have some localities in Virginia that have 50 or more different contractors that are doing residential solar right now. Mm. Uh, So it's a huge industry. Um, and many of those installers uh, are experts in their field and, and do a great job, but um, you also, with the, the high volume, you have to be aware of the technology and understand it as a code official uh, because not everyone is fam- as familiar with it as, we, as the contractor was in this case. Um, I, I definitely consider him an expert on, on the installation and the wiring methods for it. Um, but, you know, having this information out there and available is, is critical to code officials. And then the other part of it is, too, um, we need to get staff up to, to, to date. And that is the whole reason why I wanted to have you in on this uh, podcast so that people could listen to how you all collaborated with the installer of looked at the installation, looked at the installation requirements, looked at what other reference standards had out there in regards to this type of equipment and materials that you're seeing installed, and you all sat down and worked together to try to maybe get something um, as a standard statewide for everybody to follow. Um, So has anyone reached out to you all in regards to this interpretation that came from you and Mr. Rebels from other parts of the state? I haven't had anyone reach out to me directly about this. I think some of the information is, is still getting out there um, as far as that goes. You know, the, the technical review board hearing was in August, so I think some of the information is a little bit fresh for folks at this point. Um, but definitely glad to talk with anyone about the process if they're interested uh, in how it went in detail. Um, and again, encourage anyone who's running into a product like this or, or anything that's, that's unique and product specific or contractor specific, you know, open those lines of communication with those folks and, and try to find a path forward. To understand. So Richard, what is, what's been your role with VBCOA and how long have you been involved with uh, the Virginia Building Code Officials Association? So I've been... Uh, I would say actively involved uh, since I arrived in Hanover as part of Region 7. 
Uh, last uh, three years, I've been chair of Region 7, uh, and I try to stay as active as I possibly can on the um, committee level with our code committees. IBC committee, existing building code committee, uh, primarily at this point. That's uh, career-wise, that's been my area of expertise is on the commercial side. I spent 13 years doing commercial review and inspections. Uh, so I definitely feel like that's the area I want to contribute as much as possible. Uh, and we have, we have such an important voice here uh, as part of that committee work with VBCOA for the state. Um, it, it's amazing how much if, if you're motivated to participate at that level that you can have an effect on the code development process both in the state and at the national level as we've seen. Right. That's great. Um, how would someone be able to get in contact with you, Richard, in regards to maybe some questions about solar panels? Um, hopefully we'll get some installers throughout the state who are looking at uh, running into some issues with their local building official. <laughs> you might be able to give them some guidance and um, information on how to sort of navigate them or point them right back to the TRB. How would someone be able to get in contact with you, Richard? I would be happy to speak with anyone about it. You can reach us at our office here in Hanover. Our number is 804-365-6040. And that's our main number here in, in uh, Hanover County. And you can also email me. My email address is rtgordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, at hanovercounty.gov. Well, thank you, Richard, for all this uh, very helpful information. I'm pretty sure that, you know, Hanover County and uh, different contractors throughout the state of Virginia are running into these sort of hiccups, as I like to call them, um, when it comes to installing new products that are new to the scene and new to the building uh, official and building code community. So I appreciate your time taking the time out to tell us how you got the interpretation in front of the TRB. Um, that you were successful in getting that inter interpretation and that you're willing to encourage and in educate everyone in regards to solar panel installation. Thanks for having me, Christina. Uh, this has been Christina Jackson, your host for VBCOA podcast, a Building Code Geeks podcast. <laughs>